Chapter Fifteen of Mag and Margaret: A Story for Girls by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. If we only hadn't. The group of young people intent upon paying a visit to the gypsy camp had gone gaily on their way, not without misgivings on the part of some in regard to those ponies whose reputation for gentleness was none of the best. Had Neely Saunders been of the company, I do not think they would have started for the ponies belonged to her father, and Neely knew very well that neither she nor her sister were allowed to drive them. Ned Saunders, a young fellow of seventeen, was the driver, but he had gone after apples. On the way down the hill they discussed the situation. "'We can't hitch up the ponies, Margaret. I can't, I'm sure, and I don't believe you can.' "'No more I can, Goosey.' but the boy who was left in charge of them can. Oh, so he can, and drive us, too. I never thought of that. He is not going to drive us. I propose to do the driving myself. I just ached to get hold of the reins coming out. That Ned Saunders is a dreadfully stupid driver. I shall make those ponies go like the wind, see if I don't. Oh, Margaret, said Anna Woodruff, are you sure you know how to drive? Why, of course I know how to drive. The idea! Don't I drive my father's elegant span of bay horses? The handsomest turnout at the park, everybody said. If you are afraid, Anna Woodruff, you might run back and stay with the servant. But Anna, although she was afraid, was not to be ridiculed into turning back. She had insisted upon leaving her little sister in a safe place, and considered her duty done. Mr. Saunders's boy, Dick, who had been brought along that he might be left at the foot of the hill to watch the wagon and ponies, had been told simply that he was to obey orders. So when an entire troop of young ladies, who had come out that morning, came down upon him demanding that the ponies be hitched forthwith to the hay wagon, he obeyed, not without a timid inquiry for Ned Saunders. "'He is coming by and by,' said Margaret Lancaster, as she clambered gaily in. The others followed her swiftly, and they were off. Now Margaret Lancaster really had no idea that she was doing anything very daring. She had, as she said, often driven her father's beautiful span of matched bays, the pride of his heart, through the park grounds. It is true that her father sat beside her at the time, but what of that? She had done the driving. Moreover, she did not take into consideration the difference in the roads, nor the clumsiness of the hay-wagon. That she kept her word and drove fast, every girl in the party will always be ready to testify. Those ponies fairly flew down the steep, rough hill, the hay-wagon clattering ominously at their heels, increasing their speed, if Margaret had but known it. Still, she held the reins with firm hand, and they crossed the track in safety and drew up at the gypsy camp. Here they made quick work of it. There proved to be no gypsy in the encampment who cared to tell fortunes, and, after wandering about a few minutes, and admiring the splendid fire and the great kettle swinging on a crane, someone thought of the afternoon express, and begged Margaret to make all speed back before it was due. If she had not been at that moment seized with the desire to look inside a white-covered wagon, and learn how gypsies managed their sleeping accommodations, they might have accomplished it. 
as it was they reached the top of the hill just as the express went thundering by and then those ponies if they had run before fairly flew over the ground to make matters more dangerous margaret lost her head as the boys say and slackening her hold let the reins lie loose then the ponies seemed to think themselves deserted and ran in good earnest oh girls screamed margaret her face pale with fright they are running away i cannot hold them i can't do anything with them oh oh we shall all be killed they will run straight into the river i cannot turn them this looked extremely probable about half a mile below the road made a sharp bend and at that point the river bank was almost on a level with it if margaret could do nothing with the ponies what was more likely than that they should dash ahead without regard to the road and plunge into the river then what but death awaited any of them for the river at that point was broad and deep suddenly margaret had a thought which she proceeded to carry into execution we must jump for our lives she said and suiting the action to the word she threw the reins from her and poising for a second on the side of the wagon gave a spring and a shriek at the same moment and was gone the frightened girls huddled together and shrieked with terror and dismay only one of them tried to retain her self-control that was georgia lyman don't one of the rest of you dare to jump she said sternly my father has told me again and again whatever else you do when a horse is running away never jump it is almost certain death if i had been near enough to margaret i would have held her fast let us all try to get hold of the reins and pull but alas margaret in her terror had flung the reins so far that it was impossible to get hold of them every one was so frightened that they did not notice what was plainly apparent that the ponies themselves were rather tired of their wild race and were decidedly slackening their pace all the girls could think of was that they were nearing the river then suddenly one of them gave a different kind of a scream oh look she panted the boys sure enough there were the boys eight of them brave fellows forming a cordon across the road those ponies would need to be skillful to get past them i believe in my heart that the ponies did not want to pass them but were on the contrary quite willing to be seized by their bridles by two such determined fellows as ned saunders and fred ainsworth there was a great deal to be done in the next few minutes two of the girls now that the danger was over fainted dead away and had to be thought about but the most of them thought of poor margaret who started this wild ride ned saunders asked sternly oh said anna woodruff it was poor margaret but don't blame her now she is oh dear she is what exclaimed fred ainsworth looking up from one of the fainted girls where is she then half a dozen voices told him and his pale face grew paler and he gave over trying to revive carrie benson and said then she is dead oh no no they shrieked don't say that oh don't waste time here why don't you go to her though why they should have added that no one knows for fred saunders was already jerking the ponies around and before the cry about wasting time was concluded 
he and frederick and three others of the strongest boys were in the wagon and the ponies were hurrying up the hill again people who heard the story told for days afterwards exclaimed that it was just a miracle and some said it couldn't be possible but nevertheless it was that margaret lancaster was not killed by her wild jump from the hay wagon she was bumped she was sprained she was bruised all over but she was very much alive ned saunders declared afterwards that since she was such an idiot as to jump at all some angel who takes care of idiots must have been there to select the only safe place for her just ahead and just a step backward were sharp jutting stones while the place where she fell was slightly depressed and much shaded so that the ground was still soft from recent rains margaret had fainted at first but before the rescue party reached her she had revived enough to issue some very reassuring groans she isn't dead anyhow said ned saunders cheerfully and her lungs are still good or she couldn't groan like that frederick sprang like a cat from the wagon and had his cousin in his arms before the others could come to help him two of the boys occupied themselves in making a bed in the hay wagon out of leaves and grasses covered by their coats but ned saunders was examining the wagon wheels here's a fix he said in a low tone to one of them i noticed that this wagon wobbled dreadfully when we came out something has happened to this hind wheel they must have cracked some of its joints in turning it won't last for us to get home that is certain and i don't hardly feel that it is safe to go back to the grove in after our things unless we fellows walk and keep a close watch and kind of brace it up if necessary while fred rides and takes care of margaret what we are going to do after that i'm sure i don't quite see i see said harold wood let some one take one of the ponies and gallop back to town as fast as possible for an easy rig of some kind for her and the girls we fellows can walk back good for you said ned saunders approvingly that is just what can be done i've travelled on frisk's back without any saddle before now and i can do it again i'll bring our carriage and a doctor as fast as possible this programme was carried out ned saunders galloped off as soon as possible after the party reached the grove feeling all the more need for haste because poor margaret was evidently suffering great pain she fainted twice on the way back the others having made her as comfortable as they knew how stood or sat around in disconsolate groups waiting mag having discovered that all the others were occupied toiled down the hill with one basket at a time until all but one were near the wagon then it suddenly occurred to frederick to observe her and to order the boy dick to go for the basket see if you can do so much he added sternly if you had done your duty all this would not have happened a child might have known that those ponies were not to be entrusted to girls mag relieved of her duties looked with grave troubled eyes at poor margaret whose pale face was drawn with pain and who gave vent to feeble moans whenever she made the slightest movement it's her foot i think said georgia lyman in response to mag's inquiring look at least her foot is hurt i don't know which part of her hurts the worst but she can't move that the least bit without fainting it ought to be put into hot water said mag how do you know 
this from georgia curiously one of the boarders sprained her wrist last winter and the surgeon made her put it in hot water and keep it there for hours that's so said frederick briskly i knew that when i was no taller than the table but i never thought of it see what it is to have one's knowledge in command can one of you boys light a fire and put a big chocolate pot on full of water that will be better than nothing there is a big pan that the cookies and cakes and things were packed in said mag so there is that will hold more than the chocolate pot it takes you to think it took mag to do also it was she who finally managed the fire as being the one who apparently understood it best mary lyman was in the wagon trying to take the shoe and stocking from the poor swollen foot the latter had to be cut away and at last not without much groaning and one downright faint the foot was placed in a pail of hot water then there was really nothing else to be done but watching and replenishing the fire and waiting it was astonishing how hard they found it to wait although they were on the very grounds where they had declared they would like to stay until the moon came up in the evening to light them home now they watched the sun with a kind of horror as it went swiftly toward the west all the joy had gone out of their day and the utmost desire to each was to get home as soon as possible it's queer said harold wood what a difference it makes to have one of the party hurt ned and i were groaning only a little while ago over his promise to his father to get home before dark we thought it would be so delicious to have supper up here and drive home by moonlight and now it seems as though i wanted to fly home if we only hadn't gone murmured georgia lyman that's just it what possessed you to get off in that way without any of us ned would have driven you to the gypsy camp with all his heart if he had known you wanted to go what that stupid boy was about to allow it i can't imagine i hope he will be discharged for his folly i don't said georgia resolved upon bearing her share of the blame i don't think he could have helped it he saw just how determined margaret was you know how she is when she makes up her mind to do a thing and we all helped her we got into a sort of gale you know she was so sure she could drive that we trusted her fully why she said she had driven her father's horses in town and we thought if she could do that she could certainly manage the ponies on a quiet country road frederick ainsworth had come down from his post in the hay wagon in search of his umbrella to make a canopy over the sufferer's head and he halted for a moment beside the two there is nothing like the exact truth he said gravely margaret never drove her father's thoroughbred horses in her life unless he or my father were sitting beside her perhaps she didn't think that little item made any difference but i think it does i've no doubt though that she thought she could drive that is one trouble with her she thinks she can do anything i don't believe she would have been so determined to go said georgia thinking back if it had not been for little mag Frederick had started to return to the hay wagon, but he turned back at the sound of Meg's name. "'What had she to do with it?' he asked. "'Why, she begged us not to go. She was sure it wasn't safe, because Mr. Frederick said so, and he knew. There is something about Mr. Frederick's name that seems to set Margaret off. After that she was determined to drive, though some of us were urging that we could all walk there nicely.' 
Frederick Ainsworth walked back to the hay wagon with a thoughtful air. This matter of influence was a strange thing. Could he possibly, in a remote way, be to blame for this accident, which might be more serious than any of them imagined? He knew he was inclined to be arbitrary with his young cousin, to exercise authority over her, especially in the absence of her father and mother. He liked to assume that the three years' difference in their ages gave him the right to be authoritative. "'Poor little Mag,' he said to himself with a sigh. "'She is the only one who has a very high opinion of Mr. Frederick. He even has to be ashamed of himself sometimes.' End of chapter 15